Well, of course, you know, uh, you've been in these sessions, we've been talking about the, the character and the nature of God and the, the truth about His character. But how many know that uh, our God has been lied about? And it seems like as time goes on, the worse it gets. But as believers, especially in these last days, we can't afford to be confused about the nature and the character of God. Because remember that how you view Him affects everything about your perspective in terms of spiritual things and what you're able to believe Him for. Um, God gets blamed for a lot of things He has nothing to do with. And He hardly ever gets the credit for all the good that He does. Amen. I mean, take for example, if, if the oxygen just disappeared for about you know, 10 to 15 seconds in the earth, you might be able to hold your breath. But it would have cataclysmic effects on the entire earth, including the, the entire crust of this earth would, would crater and suck you into its core. All of this is upheld by His power. In fact, the universe is upheld, upheld by His wonderful Word. Amen. The power of His Word. So say, I'm thankful and grateful. Because I know the Bible tells me what God's nature is. Amen. Don't need a pundit. Don't need a sourpuss. Amen. Somebody out there who's, you know, walking away from Christianity because they're deconstructing their faith because they've come with a better idea. It's like Peter said, whom shall we go? Where are you going to go? There's only one Savior. And get all uptight as you want to, but there's only one way still to heaven no matter how you feel about things. But understand His nature is, is critically important. So, so I don't want to talk to you about the fact that God is loving. and Aren't you glad for that? Come on, say, God is loving. Say it again, God is loving. And specifically, God's nature is to bestow covenant kindness on His people. Or covenant has said. Kindness and love, it's often translated in the Bible in various translations, loving kindness. Now the reason this is so important, because when we speak of God's love, we're not talking about some platitude on a plaque somewhere. We're not just talking about sentiments or mere words or songs or lyrics in a song. We're talking about a specific way that, that God shows and demonstrates, of course, that He actually has love for His people. In Romans 5.8, but God demonstrates His own love for us in this. Why we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And in fact, it says He demonstrates His love. If, in fact, He loved us but didn't do anything about our condition, you and I would still be bankrupt and on our way to hell. But aren't you glad He acted? He demonstrated that. And that's very, very important because if God is loving, then we're supposed to be what? Loving. And if God uh, you know, demonstrates His love a certain way, then what are we supposed to do? See, when you look at the nature of God, you're seeing God for who He really is, but you're also seeing the kind of person God expects you to be. I'm going to try this over on this side. <laughs> To understand His character is not just to be behold, you know, empowered by that, to be able to believe God and trust Him at His Word. He's also showing you what you're supposed to be like. And that's where the rub is. Not just knowing His nature, but knowing that He expects His nature to be flowing in you and through you. So say it with me. If God is wise, He expects me to be wise. If God is just, He expects me to be just. If God is loving, He expects me to be loving. In 1 John chapter 4, looking at verse 7 and 8, Dear friends, let us love one another, 
For love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God. In other words, if you don't walk in love, you don't know his character. You don't know his nature. You don't understand who he really is. Because God is what? Is what? Say it, shout it out. God is love. Say it again. God is love. So whatever you know about him, understand this. He's not the God with the, you know, the big baseball bat ready to next, you know, knock you into the next county because you messed up. That's what human beings do. Zephaniah 3.17, just a wonderful scripture about this. The Lord your God is with you. Aren't you glad for that? These crazy times. He is mighty to save. He will take great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. I wonder what his voice sounds like. <laughs> Better than mine. <laughs> but look at this. Does this sound like uh, God somehow is against you and waiting to judge you and put you down and destroy you? No, he longs to demonstrate his covenant kindness towards you. It says again, he's mighty to save. He'll take great delight in you. He'll quiet you with his love. I tell you, when you know how much God loves you, it, it stills the spirit. It quiets the flesh, amen? It causes you to pause to realize just how much you're actually loved. In a similar vein, Jeremiah 31.3, I've loved you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you with loving kindness. And underneath, one translation says, are the everlasting arms. Aren't you glad for that? Amen. Turn to somebody and say, God loves you. Amen. And there's not a thing you can do about it. See, <laughs> so somebody says, well, uh, why would a loving God send somebody to hell? A loving God sent his son so you wouldn't go there. You choose to go to hell. He doesn't send you there. Yes, the way is narrow. It's focused on one name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Yes, it's narrow, but it's been made plain for generations. A lot of people in the Western culture aren't going to go to hell because God loves them or sent them there because they heard and they rejected it. But how many glad we heard and accepted it? I said, aren't you glad you heard and accepted it? You're going to be especially glad when that trumpet sounds. Amen. Amen. One minute you're sitting there, the next minute you're gone. Whoop. <laughs> Listen, you do not want to miss that ride. I've been on some rides at some amusement parks. I don't want to miss this one. I heard somebody say recently, he said he expects that a good percentage of the prisons will be gone in the rapture and a big percentage of church people will still be here. Woo! Like somebody say, he's not talking about me. <laughs> no, he's not talking about me on that one. Isaiah 54, 10. Just some foundation here before we get into the, the principles I want to share with you. Though the mountains be shaken and the hills be removed, yet my unfailing love for you will not be shaken, nor my covenant of peace be removed, says the Lord, who has compassion on you means he's predisposed to show you favors. In other words, go to Gatlinburg, go to the Rocky Mountains, go to Appalachia, go wherever. Look at Annapurna, Mount Everest. That mountain will be removed before God's, what? I feel love ever ceases, which means it's eternal. It is earthbound and it's also eternal. Say to somebody again, he loves you. He loves you. 
and not a thing you can do about it. Romans chapter 8, looking at verse 37 through 39. You've heard this a few times. But try to listen to these scriptures with freshness of ears and eyes, amen? And consciousness of what he's saying. These words are supernatural. You know the Bible says the Spirit, uh, His words are spirit and they are life. You know, I don't have to even preach tonight for you to be affected by the life that's in the Word of God. It does not need human agency to give life. It just needs you to have hearing ears to receive and then take, you know, and receive whatever He has for you and watch and see what He will do. Amen. Knowing all these things, we're more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I'm convinced that neither life, nor death, neither angels, nor demons, neither the present or the future, or any powers, neither height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. There's just one thing that's not on that list, and that's you. You can separate yourself. That's a pretty small list, isn't it? But watch and see here how, how, how emphatic it is. That's how much God loves you. Say it three times. He loves me. Now, it shouldn't get weaker. It should get stronger. <laughs> Some of y'all still sitting there. He loves me. He loves me not. No, he loves you. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 2, 4 and 5. A further... Uh, you know, discussion of Paul's theology on the love of God. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. Uh, it is by, by grace you have been saved. While we were what? Dead. Amen. That's how much he loves you. And listen to these words uh, afresh and anew from John chapter 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son so that everyone who believes, how many? Everyone, everyone who believes in Him may not perish but have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through Him. What do you see here? You're seeing that, that love is actually demonstrated. Love is actually something that is, is, is activated. And one of the ways he demonstrates that is with his giving. God is the greatest giver of all time. And I want you to think about this. If he gave you Jesus, can you not believe that he can give you anything else you might need in this life? Does that make sense? We teach you that you are saved because you had faith in your heart and you said with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. You believed in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead and you said with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. And the Bible says confession was made unto salvation. If you can get saved that way, if your eternal destiny can be changed with faith in your heart and faith coming out of your mouth, can it not also work with your finances or with your health or with something else you're dealing with? In other words, it deals with the most spectacular it can deal with everything that's less than that. Keep that in mind. Why? Because it's all an operation of His love. In love, He gave us that mechanism. In love, He operates towards His people with love and loving kindness and covenant kindness. In, in, in that love, He gives us the ability actually to operate by faith. It's all a revelation of His love. You see what I'm saying to you tonight? 
God loves us so much that I can believe in my heart and say with my mouth and change my eternal destination. That's what you mean by, by that love standard. Amen. He loves us. There's nothing more faith building than to know that He loves you. And I can't give you this, but to have a personal revelation of how much God loves you. I have taught this dozens of times, and for the most part, I haven't gotten into it publicly, and maybe I will one day, but I, dozens of times in personal conversations and small groups, I've said this repeatedly, that there are so many people in the body of Christ that operate with a spirit of insecurity in their lives. If God does something nice for somebody, then they feel in fear and somehow put out by that. You should be blessed by that. And you should praise God when you see your brother or sister do well. Amen. You know, somebody gets something and, well, I, they don't deserve it. I deserve that. You know, and they have this idea that somehow God's holding out on them. He's not holding out on them. And if you ever discover by revelation how much he loves you, you're not going to care what somebody else is doing. You're not going to care what somebody else has. Because you know you're so loved. He has the power and the will and the heart to take care of you. There's no reason for a child of God to be insecure. But I will tell you that all the issues that we deal with in life and all the problems we face, 99% of those are because of spirit of insecurity operating in our lives. And that is a manifestation of fear. And how do you deal with fear? Perfect love casts out all fear. Shout that out. I am delivered from a spirit of insecurity. I don't compare myself. I don't care what somebody else is doing. I don't care what they have. God loves me. And when you get that deep in your spirit by revelation, you know somehow he's going to work this thing out. Amen. Come on, he loves me. And that's how I know he's going to work this out. Do you believe that? Shout it out again. He loves me. Yeah, maybe you have faith he loves these other people or loves so-and-so across the aisle. No, he loves you. We have faith for the capacity of God to know all things and the capacity to believe he's all-powerful. How about knowing tonight he loves you? That same powerful, almighty God loves you. Well, if he knew me, he wouldn't love me. Are you kidding me? We've already, we already established the fact that he's omniscient. So he's seen all your warts, all your attitudes, all your issues, and he loves you. See, what you're doing is projecting onto God human character, where the love is conditional. But with God, it's not based on your performance. Amen. Look. When, when you felt the convicting power of the Holy Spirit and you repented and gave your life to Christ, you crossed over into something that is so marvelous and outstanding, it's going to take us eons to fully comprehend and understand. But that simple act of faith puts you in the I am family, in God's family. It changed everything. <laughs> no matter what's going on with you tonight, you should go to bed with a smile on your face. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob loves me. 
He knows everything about me. <laughs> and he loves me. Look at your neighbor and say, he knows everything about you. And he loves you. We can have confidence and know that he's going to act on my behalf, on your behalf, because he loves us. Well, I don't see it. You don't have to see it. You just have to believe in the nature of God as revealed by Scripture. He loves you. In fact, this is a separating point. God just doesn't love with sentiments and words and songs and platitudes and plaques. I'm write this down in big bold letters. God loves with action. Action. That's the difference between God and so many of his people. I love you. I love this. I love my cheeseburger. I love my house. I love my dog. When God is saying to you and to me, I love you, he's saying, I love you with what? A demonstration of power and action to benefit you. Amen. Say, it, he loves me. He loves That's how I know he's going to act on my, my behalf. Some of y'all have been through some tough times in this church. I mean, you have, you have been so low, you look up at the curb. And he came through. Anybody ever here fail so big that you didn't think anybody would ever care about you? God couldn't possibly want you, but he does. In fact, if you'll just surrender your life to him, and I'll just say this prophetically to you, all you have to do is make one simple adjustment, stop running your life and start doing what God has called you to do. And you'll see the full measure of the force of that. Put yourself in position to receive everything that he has for you. And you'll see like waves, not of destruction, but waves, amen, huge waves hitting you, blessing after blessing after blessing after blessing, reminding you no matter what's going on. That's why when you look at these scriptures, such as an underneath or the everlasting arms, or he, he delights in you, you sense that. You can be having a terrible day, but the love of God will bring you joy. That's right. Joy unspeakable <laughs> and full of glory. Why? Is it fixed yet? No. Have I seen a resolution to it yet? No. Am I still going through it? Yes. But does God love me? Yes. And he never leaves me, nor forsakes me. So why should we freak out in the midst of the storm or the mess? He's right there and he loves you. Amen. God's way of loving is action. Shout that out. God loves with action. Shout again. God loves with action. I mean, how do you know that before the incarnation, the Father had love towards us in his heart? But that's not good enough. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And that's how he demonstrates his love. The God kind of love is demonstrated. It's action. It moves. 
It releases power. It causes things to happen. <laughs> I listen to some of these folks today that are out there, and, and, and some people just need to turn their, their podcast off and their YouTube channel shut it down and get off Facebook because they just sound ridiculous. And they'll say things like, the gospel of Jesus Christ is not about you. It's all about God. Well, let's back up to a time where man fell, right? What benefit is it to God's character and nature if we're there or not? Let me help you out here. It's all about you. He was already whole before he sent Jesus. Sending Jesus did not make God whole. Sending Jesus made us whole. Those sounds were religious. It's not about you. Oh, yeah, it is. It's about you being a sinner, amen, and made righteous. It's about you being destitute and God raising you up on your way to hell, but now you're on your way to heaven. It really is all about you. And what do you do? You turn around now and live a life in such a way that God can use you to impact other people because it's now all about them. Sounds so high and and Ludian and religious. It's, it's all about God. Well, God was doing just fine. How much did he love you? Just, just pull out the passion of Christ sometime and just see how they did their best to depict how much God loved us. And Mel Gibson, in the process of filming this and researching this, he pulled in scientists and medical, you know, professionals to ask, you know, did we, did we treat this accurately? Did we accurately portray what a Roman crucifixion would have been like? And you know what they said to him? This doesn't even come close to what actually happened to him. And most people would sob in the theater. Some people ran out in hysterics. Some people threw up over what he went through. Why? Because he loved you. He loved you. And that's why I tell you, you think about everything he went through. He did it for you and for me. Don't let some religious, amen, expert in the law talk you out of any benefit. Amen. That's right. Because the blood bought, amen, and love motivated. Yes. Say with me, God loves me. God loves me. How do I know? Because he acts on behalf of his people. He said the same thing to us, and this isn't the message tonight, but it'll be a follow-up message. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Oh, I love you, Jesus. We love Jesus. Jesus, we love you. We adore you. You love me? Do what I say. What's the implication? If you say you love me, but you don't do what I say, you don't love me. So what's he telling us? You know the kind of love my father has? Action love? That's the kind of love you're supposed to have. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Hey, you see, you see what God's saying to us as a church? Uh, this really isn't just about God's character. It's about the character God expects you and me to have. In other words, he set us up like a mullet. <laughs> it's a fish. <laughs> Stick with me. He shows us his love as a model for how we're supposed to love. 
Praise God. Aren't you glad he loves you? Say, if I love him, I'll keep his commandments. See, we have all kinds of ideas about what agape love is. Yes, it's unconditional. Yes, it's no strings attached. But you know what it really is? Agape love is actionized. If there is no action, it's not agape. Amen. So, David uh, is an interesting historical figure, biblical figure, because he shows us what not to do. And you turn the page and he shows you what to do. Look at your name and say, you're a lot like that. (laughs) 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 Say, we're all a little like that. And one of the greatest demonstrations, a human model of what the Father's actually like is found in 2 Samuel chapter 9. I want you to turn there. When David is dealing with a descendant of Saul, the man who spent years just trying to knock David off. And I want to read this to you, and then I want to explain this, what, what love actually does. If love is an action, say it, love is an action. You've heard that love is a verb? Why? Because that's how God modeled it. Not because some theologian or somebody in a, in a Hallmark, you know, card said it. It's because God modeled it. That's what agape love is. Second Samuel 9, have you found it? David asked, Is there anyone still left of the house of Saul to whom I can show kindness or covenant kindness for Jonathan's sake? He said. Um, He's asking that question. It's an honest question because most of that family was what? Completely wiped out. And then over the course of time, the rest of it was pretty much wiped out. And so he's told, now there was a servant of Saul's household named Ziba, and they summoned him to appear before David. And the king said to him, are you Ziba? At your service, he replied. The king asked, is there no one still alive from the house of Saul to whom I can show God's kindness? Now watch this. What is he saying? Is there anybody of Saul's house that I can go up there and give him a kiss and tell him I love him? No. Ziba answered the king, there is still the son of Jonathan. He is lame in both feet. Now, during a campaign, you know, he very was quickly swept up and, you know, he, he has a fall. And, of course, back then, you know, they didn't do any corrective measures and he ends up being crippled or lame for life. And Ziba says, there is still, you know, a son of Jonathan. He's lame in both feet. Where is he? The king asked. Ziba answered, he's at the house Machaerus, son of Amiel, and Lodabar. Where at? Lodabar. Lodabar means a barren place, a place with no pasture. If you were to drive through the uh, streets of Detroit tonight, you would see house after house after house abandoned. Uh, just this week, it was announced that uh, Nordstrom has left its flagship store in, in San Francisco. If they don't change things quickly in San Francisco, it will be the next Detroit. Because you cannot have lawlessness and build a society. It dishonors God and it threatens the people and people won't put up with it. Now hear what I'm saying to you. You would see this place where the factories are gone, the people are gone, the grocery stores are shut down, there's nothing there. He is in Lodabar. This is an heir, theoretically, right, to the throne, living in Lodabar. 
That's not exactly what God has for His people. Amen? Think of the worst case scenario where there is lack. Amen? And confusion and discouragement and depression. And and of course, he's disabled. He can't do anything about it. He can't fend for himself. And listen, he has no family alive. This guy is in a bad place. So King David had him brought from Lodabar, from the house of Mekir, son of Amiel. And Mephibosheth, son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David. He bowed down to pay him honor. David said, Mephibosheth, at your service, he replied. Don't be afraid, David said to him, for I will surely show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan. I'll restore you all the land that belonged to your grandfather, Saul, and you'll always eat at my table. <coughs> Mephibosheth bowed down and said, what is your servant that you should notice a dead dog like me? Then king summoned Ziba, Saul's steward, and said to him, I have given your master's grandson everything that belonged to Saul and his family. You and your sons and your servants are to farm the land for him and bring in the crops so that your master's grandson may be provided for. And Mephibosheth, grandson of your master, will always eat at my table. Now Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. And Ziba said to the king, Your servant will do whatever my lord the king commands his servant to do. So Mephibosheth ate at David's table like one of the king's sons. Mephibosheth had a young uh, son named Micah, and all the members of Ziba's household were servants of Mephibosheth. And Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem because he always ate at the king's table. He was laying in both feet. Everybody say, God's love love. means action. Well, send him a telegram. I love him. Get me his email address, and I'll tell him how much we love him here in Jerusalem. That's not what he did. What does love do? We see God's covenant mindset through David here. We've certainly seen what flesh can do, what failure can do in his life. He made mistakes. He was quick to repent when he was confronted, which separated him from Uzziah and from King Saul. So he has that in favor. But here he shows you the very heart of God. Um, I want to show covenant kindness to someone. Say it again, love, love. Takes, action. takes action. Well, number one, write this down. Love pursues you. Love pursues you on his own initiative. David went after him, located him, pursued him. That's what love does. It locates you and it goes after you. It wasn't your idea. He found you where you were. Aren't you glad? Revealed himself to you. Why is this important? Because God never stops being a covenant keeper. Your mindset tonight may be in a place of confusion or or you're wondering about things, you can't figure things out. One thing you need to know, that God is always a covenant keeper. Now David said, I want to show covenant kindness to Jonathan for the sake of whom? for the covenant I have with Jonathan. God wants to show you covenant kindness for the covenant he has with his son, Jesus Christ. He's a covenant keeper. Say it with me. God is a covenant keeper. He's not a man that he should lie. Amen. Love pursues you. And it still is. Surely, loving kindness and mercy Goodness shall follow me 
all the days of my life. If you hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord your God, Deuteronomy 28, all these blessings shall come up on you and overtake you. Turn to somebody and tell them, love is still pursuing you. What's sad is Christians running from it. Well, if I give everything over to God, then I'm going to go without. If I sell out to God, then I'm going to go without. If I answer the call that God placed on my life years ago as a preacher and minister of the gospel, then somehow I'm going to be left out. Listen, you're never going to be left out. God's always going to take care of His people. Are you hear what I'm saying to you? I told my grandmother I was going to the ministry. She looked at me and she said, Be a doctor, be a dentist, make some money. I'm like, uh, it doesn't work that way. You do what you're called to do. And if you just step across that line, you'll find out that His goodness will pursue you all the days of your life. One key thing for every person in this room, if you will get in and stay in the will of God, everything else is going to work out for you. Well, i got to figure it out first, and then I'll ask God to come in. you got this thing backwards you got the flesh going on when you need the Word of God going to work for you. Amen. Number two, love delivers you. Love's going to come and get you out of Lodabar. I have an announcement to make. This is the last night you spend in Lodabar. Barren place, confusing place, discouraging place. He got him out of Lodabar. Can you uh, tell that uh, sometimes you can get people out of Lodabar but you can't get Lodabar out of them. He's standing there in the middle of this miracle. What do you want with a dead dog like me? I don't know how long it took, but eventually I hope he got with the program. I'm at the king's table. Obviously, I'm not a dead dog. They're starting to somebody and say, you're not a dead dog. He set you free. He's physically, spiritually removed you from Lodabar, but now you're going to have to change your mindset. It's time for you to move out. And it's not just physical cripples. In the church of Jesus Christ, there are emotional cripples. There are mental cripples. And they're still living back in Lodabar in their mind. But what does he do? He delivers us. He gets us out. And if you let him, he'll get you out of that barren and fruitless place, that destitute place. Get rid of that old dog, dead dog syndrome. Renew your mind to who you are. I'm sure it was a shock to his system, thinking everything is gone. And now all of a sudden, hey, I'm invited to be with David again. Amen. Turn to somebody and tell him, get out of Lodabar. Stay out of Lodabar. Don't travel in Lodabar. Don't go there in your mind. Don't reminisce. There's nothing there for you. Everything good for you is with the king. Can I give you a tip? He's not in Lodabar. Love pursues. Love delivers. Love, number three, restores. Makes you better than you were even before. The Bible says that he was made to always sit at the king's table. He's not an enemy. He's not a servant, but he has a permanent place at the table of the Lord. And guess what? So do you. Now how many believe that he has prepared a table for you in the midst of your enemies? Think about that phrase. 
You don't have any enemies in heaven. So where is he preparing the table at? Right here. Uh, Psalm 91, with long life to show you, then satisfy you with his salvation. He speaks of your deliverance and your preservation. Guess what? There's no plague in heaven. There's no enemy in heaven. There's no war in heaven. These things are for the earth. They've been. He adopts you, makes you part of the family. Notice what this verse says. He says that he treated him like one of his own sons. Gave him a name, gave him a father, gave him a family. He didn't have any of that before. And now he has it. And that's what he does for you and for me. He'll always be treated like one of his sons. He'll always be treated like one of his sons. God will always treat you like one of his kids. Are we servants? Yes. We're sons by inheritance and servants by choice. But he will always treat you as one of his sons. Yeah, but I blew it. Well, take a look at the prodigal story and find out how much God wants to restore you. What did I say God's love does? It acts. Amen. It acts. He's out there on that road looking for him. He's preparing to put that robe back on his son. The shoes back on his feet, amen. The ring back on his hand to celebrate with that fattened calf because he loves it and he acts. That's how he demonstrates his love. He restores what was lost, what was taken, what was destroyed. You know, just reading that narrative from 2 Samuel, we, we don't appreciate this, but let me help you out here. Saul was profusely wealthy. Saul's land holdings were incredibly significant. Isn't that just like God? He got nothing in Lodabar. Now he has everything. Everything Saul had is now suddenly Mephibosheth. That's what covenant kindness is all about. And he didn't even have to farm the land. Doesn't have to plow or plant till or harvest. You just watch it all happen. And they bring everything in, and sell what wasn't needed, and add more to his estate. <laughs> you have Christians in the body of Christ today wondering, oh, I wonder if God cares about that kind of thing. He just died so I can go to heaven. The rest doesn't matter. God doesn't promise you anything. All people need to do is read the Bible to find out that God's heart of love is so big, he never stops acting good towards you. Amen. And he's not done in restoring. Say it. He's restoring me. I believe that today. The key is he'll do this for anyone who calls upon him. Read that scripture. All who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Saved is not just going to heaven. It denotes deliverance and preservation and soundness and wholeness and healing and provision. It's all of those things. Shout it out. Love pursues. Love delivers. Love restores. Say, he's pursued me. Still pursuing me. Say, he delivers me. Still delivering me. Say, he restores me. He's still restoring me. Well, I sure hope he hurries up. <laughs> You know, somebody here tonight needs to hear this. There's just something about God and the concept of the suddenly. 
Everybody say suddenly. Suddenly. I mean, imagine you're Mephibosheth getting up another day in Lodabar. What's your expectation? Nothing. And just like that, he's in Jerusalem at the king's table. I prophesied to you tonight. You're sitting here and you've been in a load of bar mentally or emotionally or financially. Just like that. You're going to be at the king's table and just find out how much he loves you and how much he cares for you. Receive it. But make sure you, th- you go all in with him. Amen. It's not, I'm going to stay in low to bar. You can send me some support. You've got to get out of that cursed place and be in the place where the blessing is. Where's the place of the blessing for the believer? It's the will of God. Let me say that again. <laughs> Your blessed place is in the will of God. It's not where somebody else is or what somebody else is doing. It's where you're at. It's not in Lodabar. Amen. Suddenly. (laughs) Suddenly. Can you receive it tonight? Suddenly. Suddenly. Praise God. Suddenly. Is God good? Suddenly. Suddenly. how many of y'all know about three years ago, um, they came to you and said that, uh, you know, Lord spoke to my heart about uh, the restaurant next door. And uh, we watched that thing for years. And at one time, those, those crazy people wanted $225,000, $250,000 for it. And I'm like, no, it's not going to happen. And just waiting, just waiting, just waiting. Look at somebody say, just waiting. Sometimes what your job is, is to what? Just wait on the Lord. And I'd drive by it and I would say, you're coming into this ministry in Jesus' name. At the the end of that process, I began to say, the Lord has need of you. You're our little donkey. Get on into the kingdom, amen, (laughs) where you belong. (laughs) And I I don't know. I mean, I have no idea the long-term plan God has for any of that. Not the the restaurant and all the way up the road uh, where that road frontage is. And, And then lo and behold, uh, Ronnie got a call about uh, the, the owner called her and said, well, my husband is sick and we're just going to get out of this and wanted the church to have the first opportunity to act on it. And I said, well, that sounds like God to me. And uh, the price was like uh, $125,000 less than it was just a few years before. Amen. Um, everybody say suddenly. suddenly. Say again, say suddenly. suddenly. Monday morning, the church be, uh, became the owners outright of that property. There's, there is no debt on that property anymore. It's just paid off. Um, say suddenly. Shout it out. Say suddenly. Well, can I, can I do it again? Yes, you yes, can. We're expecting a suddenly for this property Amen. now. Amen. 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 Yes. I, mean, you can, I may even use you to be part of that suddenly. It's so important you understand this. That, that what, what's he doing? He, he loves you. Why would he heal me? He loves you. Why would he provide for you? He loves you. Why would he cancel debt? He loves you. It has to be a revelation. Man can tell you all day long he loves you. But when it hits, 
it's going to be life, life transforming for you. Not the Sunday school lesson, yes, Jesus loves me, but a revelation. You having a revelation of how much God loves you. And my favorite Creflo stories is when they took that, quick, that uh, trip on a cruise liner and then they're in their stateroom, you know, in the middle of the night, the blinds were drawn. In the middle of the night, this water starts washing up against the windows and crashing. And he sat straight up in his bed and he starts saying, God loves me. God loves me. God loves Creflo. God loves Creflo. God loves Creflo. And he really got into it. And after a while, he woke Taffy up and Taffy sat up and goes, what's the matter? We're, you know, we're having problems here. We might be sinking here, but God loves me. We're going to be okay. God loves me. I know we're going to be fine. God loves me. He said, go back to sleep. They're just washing the windows. <laughs> but how do you know that's the right way to respond? Yes. <laughs> Say it. That's the right way to respond. Right you get a report. God loves me. God loves me. God loves me. You get a bill. God loves me. God loves me. God loves me. Are you hearing what I'm saying tonight? God is going to turn it around because what? He loves you. And God does not love just with words or sentiments. He loves with action. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Amen. So when the water is rushing up against your house, lift your head and say, He loves me. Why would He care about stuff like that? Because He already did the most outstanding thing and saving you. Listen carefully. Everything else is inferior to that. Your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. God has a dwelling going up for you. Amen. And I'm just going to tell you right now, if you're, you're thinking it's a little bitty cabin by the stream, no load of bar welcome in heaven. So get rid of that thinking. You might as well go ahead and practice now. Get that low-level, low-far thinking out of your brain. That's a mind renewal. Amen? Issue. Well, how do you tap that love? I'm glad you asked. You're going to have to come back next week for the answer. <laughs> so, because I want to make sure it's developed enough in you. Amen? But tonight you ought to walk out of here saying, you know what? God loves me. I really get it. Come on, shout out, God loves me. I'm not worried because God loves me. See, you're thinking that I got to figure it all out. No, you don't. All you got to do is understand the nature and the character of God and trust that it will work for you. Amen. Um, in this room tonight, all kinds of things going on, but whatever is going on that's challenging your faith and trying to steal your peace, you should add these, these words, you know, to your, your regular praise life. Amen. We say, I love God and praise God and hallelujah. And you're spending time worshiping Him. You should also add to it, God loves me. Thank you, Father, for loving me. Come on, say it. Thank you, Father, for loving me. You saved me. Amen. And, you know. If he did it for one man stuck in Lodabar. You hear this tonight. If you find one person in Scripture he did it for. If you find just one person he did it for. It's there for a reason. Now you poke your neighbor and say, I'm next. You know, there's a line around God. There's not a line from God. 
Let me say it again. There's a line around God, not, amen, a line going from God. Now I could go into the division of motor vehicles, number 452. Next. Oh. I'm telling you that revelation of how much he loves you is, is key to your ability to receive from him. Amen. So how many times I would say that uh, you're saved, but uh, you're dealing with some kind of you know, issue in your life, some kind of habit, some kind of a stronghold? some kind of sickness, some kind of financial problem, lift your hand if any of these things apply to you. What we're going to do is we're going to apply the love of God to this situation. Glory to God. Father, we just thank you, Lord, for what your words you know, tells us. Your love is demonstrated. Not just once on the cross, but your love is demonstrated to your people every single day. We go through the pages of Scripture and we see that you, you loved your people, so you made a way in the desert. You parted the sea. You gave them the land. You empowered your people to succeed. Today, Lord, you're moving throughout the world, revealing your son to people that are lost and undone. You're still healing. You're still delivering. You're still prospering. Lord, you're not just pulling one out of Lodabar. You're pulling people by the masses out. So we just lift up these folks today and ask you one simple thing, Father, that each one has an explosive personal revelation of how much you love them. That's the greatest remedy they could have. There's nothing so faith-building as to know how much God loves us. Give them that revelation. Give them revelation of how much you love them and that you are still pursuing, still delivering, and still restoring. And I thank you for doing it tonight. We praise you for it in Jesus' name. Come on, let's praise him. Amen. Thank you, Father. We give you glory, Lord.